0: Welcome to Media Path. I'm Fritz Coleman.
1: And I'm Louise Palenker.
0: You know, there's more in life to be curious about than what's in boxes in the bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. There are books and movies and TV shows and other content served up every week on many platforms here at MediaPath Path. We like to call some of the better things to your attention. And then after we get your attention, we really make it worth your while by bringing on fabulous guests like Craig Shoemaker. Craig's a multi-award winning stand-up comic, one of the best working. He's a writer and producer and actor and author. The founder of a great organization called Laughter Heels. We'll talk about that. He's been my friend for years. We went to the same college. He graduated I didn't. Craig will join us in a few minutes for a conversation. Wheezy, what do you have for
1: us? Oh, okay. So uh, I am going to talk about Never Let Him Go on Hulu. Los Angeles brothers Steve and Scott Johnson grew up close and smart and curious and inventive and destined to explore and discover the world together. It was the edge of the computer age and great wonders and achievements awaited their intellectual contributions. Until Scott, just days away from earning his doctorate in mathematics at Australian National University was found dead beneath a cliff in Manly at the age of 27. Scott's death was ruled a suicide, but his brother Steve had doubts, and he has doggedly never stopped searching for the truth. Never Let Him Go unfolds its story over four episodes, which tug at our own memories of coming to better understand the full range of human sexual and romantic inclinations and just how many of our loved ones are not conforming to what we were once taught was the natural order of things. Scott died in 1987 when AIDS was surging and people were frightened. And traditionally, male pursuits such as police work were populated by guys who may have easily imagined that if they had ever found themselves attracted to a man or having to admit that attraction to themselves, they would just hurl themselves off a cliff. The Sydney police's immediate response to Scott's death was to rule it a suicide, as if to say this is not a real person problem, he's not of us, his life was disposable, let's just move on. But Steve's determination tracks our own awareness that many of us and our loved ones are on LGBTQ plus spectrums. There are an abundance of personal orientations and that each life is so very valuable. Steve was successful in his career as an inventor and he was able to spend a lot of his own money on private detectives, trips to Australia and exhaustive research. This irritated Australian authorities who felt that a wealthy American should not be dictating where their attention was focused. Their defensive and insular posture failed to see the bigger picture. Our historic treatment and acceptance of our LGBTQ loved ones demands an enormous correction across decades and societies. Steve was stirring attention with Scott's story and the world was watching. So why not just do the right thing? Gay bashing pogroms were rampant in Sydney in the 80s and waves of anti-gay violence were systemically ignored for decades. There are many unsolved murders of gay men in Sydney and a number of bodies were found at the bottom of that manly cliff. All ruled suicides. Not ironically, a good number of the perpetrators were closeted gay or non-binary people, as was the case with the Club Q and Pulse nightclub shooters. It's an act of either self-loathing or an urge to eliminate the objects of your attraction, or maybe it's a fierce resentment against those who are courageous enough to live truthfully. So why can't we better publicize that many gay hate crimes are committed by gay men? And so if you do not want anyone to know that you are gay, stop hurting gay people. Never Let Him Go is excellent, and it's on Hulu.
0: Wow, sounds good. Are LGBTQ folks less accepted in Australia than they are here? Is it a tougher time for them down there?
1: I mean, it may have been like a crocodile Dundee sort of kind of macho culture in the 80s. But I mean, I think in herky-jerky motions, the planet is is coming along. But it's just it's different on different continents. I'm not... You may be right. That might be inaccurate, but I, I don't think it's my place to say. It. This guy, Steve Johnson, is recognized on the streets in Sydney. So, what he's been doing has has gotten the attention of the public, and they. I'm not going to tell you how the series ends, because I'm no spoiler. But. Mm, maybe at that time, at least in Manly, it was a sort of a macho culture there. Sounds good.
0: I'm going to talk about The Morning Show. This is an Apple TV series that just dropped its third season last week. The third episode of the third season is released tomorrow. This is a workplace soap opera about morning television. It stars Jennifer Aniston as Alex Levy, an iconic host of a Today Show slash Good Morning America type program. Her co-star and counterpoint is Reese Witherspoon, who plays Bradley Jackson. Bradley is a a brash, maverick, in-your-face investigative journalist who comes aboard as the co-host to replace the beloved 15-year co-anchor, Mitch Kessler. Mitch has recently been fired because it turns out he's a sexual predator and played really Astonishingly well by Steve Carell this storyline happened at the same time the Matt Lauer incident and in, uh, was sort of enveloping NBC and the me-too Tsunami was rolling over the entire entertainment industry. So it really uh, Resonated Billy Crudit plays a colorful network executive who one reviewer described perfectly as Satan while losing a poker game <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. Oh my goodness. I think the show honestly reflects the truth in a high pressure newsroom environment. The narcissism, the competitiveness, the petty bickering, the manic quest for ratings. They get very current with their topics, along with Me Too. The tackle is other areas in the current zeitgeist like racism and sexism in both hiring and pay disparity, LGBTQ issues. The first season and a half deal with the accusations against and the firing of Steve Carell's character predatory sex, abuse of power. But it's not just dark and light, good guy, bad guy. There is nuance in their treatment of the Me Too Challenge. That's what I loved about it. There are innocent workplace romances that sort of get swept up in the controversy. Excellent writing working with dicey subjects. The end of the second season and into the third, they tackle race. It's about old media attitudes replacing the new ones. The show is created by Jay Carson, who along with being a TV producer, worked in politics, writing speeches for the Clintons and others. Really a sharp show, and I like it. I'm late to discovery of it, but everybody told me about it, so I couldn't put it off
1: anymore. Shout out to Holland Taylor. She's killing it. So yeah, I, are you on season three?
0: Yes, but I'm not, I'm not all the way through.
1: Well, they were dropping on one... Per week because we tried to keep watching. Yes, it in-
0: I, I, I'm, I'm caught up. I can't wait for the one tomorrow, which is episode.
1: Yeah. So, how much of uh, your workplace do you recognize that? No, I recognize everything about it. Uh, uh, I, I
0: think Jennifer Aniston represents an iconic female. Anchor who's been kowtowed towed too much in a 40-year career. I've worked with dozens of them and and she Everything that she goes through she thinks she's the only person on the pro on the planet that has problems She wants everybody else to sort of meld into her life She's the center of the solar system and this new girl is sort of uh, Reese witherspoon. They're both uh, executive producers on this show Jennifer and Reese uh, 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 Reese in this Bradley uh, character represents the kind of the new journalism which they're doing now. She goes out and enterprises her own stories. She's not afraid to get in people's faces and stuff. And it really, I'll tell you, I don't like stories about, you know, stand-up. I don't like stand-up shows, uh, stories until the hack, uh, uh, hacks came along. I like that. <laughs> but I just don't like stories about stand-up. I don't like stories about news because I don't think they are They represent reality. This one comes as close as you can. Anyway.
1: Yeah, and it's also hitting on a lot of issues that I, that I think oh, affect, yeah. affect all humans. Yeah, without so question. So it's highly relatable because it's really about a workplace. But it's about a workplace that's public.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, this guy won a Comedian of the Year Award at the American Comedy Awards. I wish what? they still did that. Uh, he did an acclaimed 90-minute stand-up special called Datitude. Great title. He played <laughs> Wilson Gromling on Parks and Rec as the head of the Liberty or Die party, way ahead of the extremism we have now. He played Bandit in the critically acclaimed movie Middleman, wrote on season two of Fuller House, has a best-selling book entitled Love Master. I can't do it like you. <laughs> uh, a, a digital journey to love and happiness. In 2003, he founded Laughterheels.org, which is a non profit group dedicated to using laughter for healing. A documentary right now he's working on Live to Laugh. He wrote and starred in Totally Baked, which is a cult classic. He has a production company called Really Big Shoe Productions <laughs> with a slate of over 25 television and film projects. He and I both went to Temple University. I'm happy to have my friend Craig Shoemaker with us today. How are you, brother? We don't have any Wait. time for you now. Well, you're yeah, because that
2: bio He's the other, too
1: busy to be here. He yeah, needs to leave. I, I
2: gotta cut that thing.
0: <laughs> you get- you you learned, it. You learned the great trick it. of show business and that is
2: diversify. Yeah, it's very important. But I learned seriously. that at Temple University and you would have found that out if you graduated. Yeah. No, it was, the, <laughs> it was in your final year, you missed it.
0: I didn't finish at Temple. <laughs> I, I, I I went and and left like, it was sad and I, I actually it's one of my great regrets. I left about fifteen credits shy because I was in the radio business and I got offered a job at Wi-Fi W I F I, which was a top forty FM station. Uh, Absolutely. And I got offered a job and I could not refuse the gig.
2: I'm with you. I did the same thing. I did not. I didn't finish it first. And and and, and I figure I'm
0: I'm going to college being taught by teachers who have never worked a day in the business and I began to resent them a little bit so I, just I agree
2: I, you know, what, what do you know although I did have one professor you might remember Bob Bradley he I yes remember Bob Bradley. yes he was one of my professors all he
0: could yeah. talk about was Bill Cosby they don't do that anymore though
2: well Bill Bill Cosby that's true Bill Cosby was one of the reasons I went there he's to the, he had a commercial. I don't know if you remember the commercial. he go, Kevin O'Malley, 1,600 on his SATs, number two in his classic Cardinal Doherty. He could have gone anywhere, but he chose Temple.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. That's what, that's what drove me
2: call. to go to Temple. And People David Cosby.
0: Brenner was a big topic big of Temple conversation. Big Temple was Hall a... and
2: Oates. Yes. That's where they met. They were at Temple. Yes. Wow, your reunions
1: Sledge. must be lit.
2: Well, yeah, well, they're a little older than me, so (laughs) these are people that went there before I did. Bob Saget went went there. Uh He was actually my deli slicer for my mom. That's how I met him. He was like, yeah. my mom would order uh, corned beef from Bob Saget. He worked in his uncle's deli. Let me ask you, how, you. Pride. Yes. how was you, he
1: you, at Slicing Deli? He was Any a, talent? He was a
2: funny guy, no talent. No talent in that department. <laughs> funny, 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 in, funny in that department, L- sure. let me He ask won you. an Academy Award at Temple University, actually.
3: Yeah, a for a student,
0: he is yeah. student
2: Oscar. Called well, Through Adam's Eyes, a movie that he did, yes. But you I wrote, have, like, Mary Lou Henner, like, memory, by the way. Unbelievable. Like, good. Yeah, so I was just with her the other day. We're, you like, wrote,
0: freaks together. She's a lovely woman.
2: Yeah, she's yeah. the
0: best. You, you wrote on season two of Fuller House. Yeah. And so Saget probably has some specific memories for you. All, even over and above the stand-up world where we knew him.
1: And the deli slicing.
2: Yeah. I mean, Bob was... Um, He's another one who's very diverse in his career and really just went wherever he needed to go. He you talk about the morning show. He actually was on C B S morning. Yep. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. how that's how he started as well when we moved to Los Angeles. But remained a really great guy until the end. And that's something that I think that people should follow about us in Philadelphia. We have this reputation that we bomb Santa Claus with snowballs and stuff like that. <laughs> Philadelphia's really are truly rooted. I mean, even the trees are rooted. Out here, they're not. I mean, these <laughs> palm trees, they don't even belong here. But there's like this rootedness to uh, I train my kids to all be you know, East Coast people because there's something about that. And it is about being genuine and knowing your friends that you've known since kindergarten. My accountant since kindergarten, he passed away wow. recently, but I've known them since we shared a cotton milk together, and this is this is you know what I mean. It's I I really believe in that. So and, in
1: Philadelphia, and, you don't get your own carton of milk.
2: No, you do no. not get your own carton of milk. You, <laughs> you, you you do get your own cot, but you do you have to share but the milk. <laughs> so.
0: I'll tell you, there is no more uh, rabid sports town in Philly because my. I was in summer school at Temple because I was uh, a, a, an underachiever a bit, and there were guys, the first time the Flyers won the Stanley Cup, oh, yeah. there were guys in my class that cut their final exam yeah. to go to that North Broad Street Parade, and they had to go back in September to take the test to see if they passed the last semester. <laughs> I remember That's how it.
2: hardcore I it remember was. it well. Yeah. We ran over someone, so I remember that. <laughs> but it was... It's, it's insanity what goes on there. They really are in their sports teams. But what I like about it is the family element, and, and that's something I don't like about Hollywood. It's is a transactional community. Everything's based on who you work with, and when you're finished working with them, it's very rare that people... Are connected in that way. Yeah, it's like
1: one of the first things I asked you is, "Can you bring Tom Jones over?" The First thing. That's you That's not yeah. what you say to someone.
2: <laughs> is it's this not, your amends that you're making. It's right just now? I, I apologize. It's not for, that was not okay. Right out of the gate, that yeah. was
1: entirely transactional.
2: Was it, what, you know, it's not like you had done anything for me yet. No, I mean, I know you're hosting me, and that should be enough for me to go get you Tom Jones. And I think you asked for a few other guests.
1: Hey, hey, Bobby
2: first Sherman. From. I think it was on the I list. I asked for Bobby I met him shouldn't. one time, so now he's on the list. I, I, I'm your <laughs> casting director. Wait, but back up. Back
1: the truck up. He yeah. brought you a breakfast sandwich.
2: He did bring me a breakfast sandwich. That is not very We would common. like
1: Bobby Sherman, well, okay?
2: <laughs> for the breakfast sandwich.
1: Yes, please. Where, where did
0: you start in Philly? Did you start to stand up at the same place uh, Saget did? I,
2: I did. Actually, he, uh, he was on the first stage. I, I, my first stage ever, though, was in 107th in West Philadelphia. Uh, and it was um, 107 degrees, actually. And it was in West Philadelphia. And it was really, really hot. I went between sets of a band. I worked in a law firm and I was 17 years old, and I got like one laugh, and it was like crack,
1: it was yeah, I like crack, I gotta have
2: more of this. Oh, yeah. yeah, this guy, this Jim Mardin, he was a guitar player, and, and we, were, we were messengers and clerks together at this big law firm in Philadelphia, and I thought I'd be a lawyer, and, and he said, you should try comedy, Man, I said, okay, and I went up and I did some impressions. My first act, I cannot believe, and I got, it got any laughs, but it did well, and uh, obviously, I'm still at it. So, I used to do Celebrity Smoking Pot,
1: Oh, we because need to hear a little
2: of that. I smoked pot a lot, right? No, you did. So, and I drank a lot. So I would just so my act was just the party extended, but I would add celebrities <laughs> to the party.
1: Okay, as if as if Tom Jones just stopped by. No, Tom, he was
2: not—he was not in it. <laughs> okay. I, I can't do Tom Jones. It's not unusual to smoke pot with anyone. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, it would be like Cheech and Chong. They would amen. <laughs> One time I was doing, I was rehearsing with my friend. We recorded this and my mom happened. My mom is a single mom. My dad left when I was born. Somebody said, wah. He was gone. Anyway, so so my mom came back from a date and we were all high doing Cheech and Chong. My mom talking about her date who made her smoke pot. And it's the funniest tape. I would literally pay $100,000 for that tape. It's missing. And it's my friend in the background. My mom was like a, a, I guess you call a MILF and a divorcee. (laughs) And the entire tape, it's us going, Hey man, Mrs. Shu went out for a joint, man. And and Don Dolan's in the background going, Shoo, where's your old lady at? Where's your old lady at? Shoe? <laughs> and then she came home and talked about her pot adventures. But your mom was a
1: hottie because you you ahead. talked about how she belly danced at one of your one of your graduation. Now that's po-
2: supposed to be off of my bio. My mom had a cease and desist on no, that No, it's one. Not. <laughs> she's not happy about that. I found it's it in your story,
1: podcast. Though. I found it legit.
2: Like, it is a true story. I, she became Shahrazad, the belly dancer. That was her new identity. Yeah. And uh, I'm not kidding you. These are the words that I heard. She bought us a keg. And I hear it on the record. It was a record player. That's how long back it was. And I hear from upstairs, I have a treat for you and your oh, friends. I'll God. never <laughs> forget those words as long as I uh, live. And now descending the stairs is no. Scheherazade, her new name, with a jewel in her belly. <laughs> belly button and wow. finger Sybil's veils my friends are going
3: whoa this is you you're hot
2: and, and uh, 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 she was so mad that they threw quarters at her i said oh they're supposed to know the proper etiquette for a yeah. belly dancing mother at a graduation party <laughs> so, in high school yeah, paper money at least come on <laughs> exactly yeah, that's what she wanted the well i want to talk about that i want to talk
0: about pot and alcohol with you because oh, yeah. i think this is what makes your career uh, a, a even more special success with the things you've had to overcome. Yeah. In your life, you're sober. Yeah, my at, new podcast
2: is actually called, well, it's called Still Standing Up. Wow, and it's subtitled the turnaround because it's all about how we all turn our lives around. And I happen to have a lot of turnarounds, <laughs> it's yeah, quite well, a few. Yeah,
0: what you did was you took all this wonderful information you did, uh, and I'll tell you, it ain't easy to be sober in the entertainment business. No, no. and it's it, for all it, free. Yeah, free. It, right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That that was for me. It's free drinks seven nights a week. You yeah. can't get and, out and of
2: it, And even on the airplane. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's and all so first class, you know.
0: Uh, I I just uh, thought it was. Uh, it made me admire you even. More when I heard your story because you were able to take what you learned from all the 12 step stuff you did and turn it into sort of a life coaching uh, career, being able to share with people many of the things that you find in 12 step, but life tips, and that's great. Well, yeah,
2: it's a I tell people when I coach them, and I mentor a lot of people in mm-hmm. different businesses. As a matter of fact, you have Kenny Loggins on your wall. I, I mentored his son. Oh, I have to tell you one of his jokes. Oh, please, that we wrote together. Yeah. His dad is really into colon therapy. I don't know if you knew this.
1: He, not... he married.
2: He married his colon therapist. Wow. Nude. While well, they were in the nude, his colon therapist. Colonics. Yeah, he's S- getting colonics, therapy. and he goes, "I love this woman. She's got my shit together." Can I curse on you? <laughs> I just curse. Of course.
1: About Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> What's
2: that? Wow. I didn't think people still did that. Cursed. Oh, <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> Ooh, that just
1: sounds. They don't do it anymore because they've all married you... off. They've all married their colon oh,
2: therapist. I, I, so I had a colonic recently. I, I did that, you know. So um, oh. I've done it. I've done them a few times. And what is he, it about Apparently, the... he married his. I guess he get a discount that way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and he got really into it. Now, I'm not kidding you. This is a true story. And I'm working with his son on materials. Someone's doing like regular material. Yeah, you know, how about these dating apps? You know all that kind of stuff. I said, "Come on, man! Tell people you're Kenny Logan's son." Yeah. So he goes, he does, and he says about his dad, he built a machine. It was like a from Italy imported, and it was like it looked like a big cappuccino machine, and it was, <laughs> it, was for, it was for these colonics. And he said, "My," and he says it was in his house. And he goes, "My dad literally built his own poo corner."
1: <laughs>
2: Whoa. <laughs> That's genius! That's the great. greatest
1: joke ever. It really is. And I'm... then
2: he quit comedy. I said, I'm going to be his son just to do the damn joke that I wrote. I, was, I thought that was such a great joke. But A anyway. colonic
0: with a nice froth, like a cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I.
2: But anyway. But yeah, you've I, helped people. with, I helped with people everything a lot. And you've I learned. tell them, though, it's not important about the jokes. The jokes are not important. It's important to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Because all the circumstances you're in, we're in every circumstance you can imagine. So, for instance, I'll be on this podcast, and now I might be next week on the Howard Stern show. And then I was on, you know, like Rick Dees for years, and Rick Dees would be like pressing sound effect buttons. Howard Stern wants to make fun of you. So, or I'm touring with the Reebok National Aerojet Championships and leotards and malls, and the lights go out. Who responds? Not the jokes. You respond. So, the better you know you and clear out all that stuff and have this expedition of yourself, that's what's going to be the jewels. Those are, that's where the. The real gems are, if you're in, in the creative business, to tap into that creator, you've got to purify. You have to let that out. And you get rid of the baggage that prevents that from that. I call it genuine energy flow. So that's mostly what I teach. And most comedians want to go, you know, people in learning comedy want to go, oh, I need an agent. No, you don't need an agent, first of all, anyway. But uh, that you're not going to get jobs from an agent going and making calls for you. I have some news for you. If you know you it makes all the difference in the world but don't
1: like, people like, resist that piece of advice do. because it requires a ton of work <laughs> yeah, and it's scary
2: it's it's ab- to self-reflect to be accountable to all to make these discoveries is really takes a lot of courage and sometimes people don't have the courage so what they do is they numb it out or they run away from it they do all even suicide you know i've had cases of that, you know, friends or whatever. I mean, people that I know that just couldn't take it anymore. They couldn't take what they were finding. I find everything to be an opportunity. You know, uh, like ego, I I call it, uh, it's an acronym evading growth opportunity. So if my ego gets in the way, I'm evading opportunity for my own, my own processing, my own release of all these things that keep me down. And what's great about comedians is we do reveal the truth. We pull the curtain, which is wonderful. But if you're not willing to do it with yourself first, Mm -hmm. then you're just exposing other people. Then you're causing more toxicity. And it's your opinion versus theirs. And you don't really know what their experience is. That's why I don't even get into gossip, into like celebrity gossip and things like that. What's my opinion worth? My experience, if I experience over, if I met Donald Trump, which I have, right? I'll tell you about that story. I'm not going to tell you my story my opinion on his politics. No, but we would like
1: to hear the story about how when you met him.
2: (laughs) Could we? (laughs) Not my kind of guy. You know, I mean, so if somebody says to me... What uh, a generous comment. uh, Fair. uh, Well, what I say to people is, is, and this is true, he does not share my values. So that does not mean, you know, that I have to be campaigning against him and be negative and things like that and just... You know, pick a cherry pick the things that I don't like. I will say that these are the things that these are the things I experience as something I don't want to pass on to my children. That's all it is to me. Is like we're handing the planet to these children. Who's the best steward of that planet? My opinion is someone like that. Even if it's not him, someone like that is not the answer. Mm-hmm. So I need people to share my values. And, uh, I, and, I think
0: you that should be in the campaign against him. What you just said <laughs> is a beautiful we, description of why. It's, we're at a dangerous inflection point in America. Why I say that
2: to uh, you know Christians? I said <clears throat> I said I, I have a lot of Christian values. I don't know, I'm not a Christian, but mm-hmm. I have these values you know that I mm-hmm. hold true. Me too. And right, and these are C- Christ consciousness values or whatever you want to call it. These mm-hmm. are being good to people, telling the truth, and so on. Mm-hmm. You know that's how I like to live my life. That's what I want to pass on to the children. So if you have a leader that's showing this as an example. And i feel the same way you know about joe biden you know i mean it's i i can't i don't go all in with anyone i'm going to say these are the experiences that i have of them that i'm going to share with my children that for myself of how i used to lie and how that got me into trouble or all the things that i've done that prevented me from my true happiness living a true self and being me and that's what i try to teach the people you're so right though what you said though it is very hard for people to uh Take that, self, take that step to self-examine themselves, and we're a victim society. We're we're all about let's let's come up with new ways we can new people we can blame, and you know as, assign this blamer or this cause that we think that you should have, but and if you don't, then we're going to shame you for this cause because this is what we believe you know, we just get into an echo chamber that way. I'm trying to get people to have the echo chamber of themselves
1: right? and, and I really, think,
2: you know, critical thinking and, and thought, thought that's connected with a higher source, and, and connected not, with a divine, ethereal, and have that be the flow of you, and then the funny shit comes out, which hasn't right. happened in the last five minutes, but that's okay. So,
1: <laughs> so rather, rather, you're saying rather than fearing it, you, you when you embrace it, yes, yes. Every, every, it's like colonics, everything flows, right? Yeah, right. That's, maybe
2: that's why I've done a, a few colonics. but uh... So is this only
0: so comics that you work with? No, no. I was going to say- well, fact, well, Mostly well, not comics, well.
2: Well. comics are so cynical. I have a theory. This is what I want to do. Spiritual people, I've been very into the spiritual community for a very long time. Really into God, or whatever you want to call it, higher power, higher source, whatever that you want to call that you deem that to be. I was raised with different religions, so it's kind of like all of it, this all power thing. But I find that spiritual, e- religious people are, are very opinionated and think that you all can only go down this one pathway for enlightenment. You can have to sit on a rock in Sedona- You have to say namaste instead of like, hey, have a good day, you know, whatever it is. You have to say something that's Indian that we chose for you. There's that. that. They're very uptight. And then you got the comedians, very cynical and very sarcastic, very cut off from the heart sometimes, very opinionated. It's all about the mind. So my goal is to build a bridge from the woo-woo to the ha-ha. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: trying to get the spiritual people to understand you, laughter is enlightenment. Laughter is truly who you actually are at your source. That is a wonderful access point to get to God. The cynical people, I'm trying to say, you are spiritual because you tell the truth. The truth is God. So that's what my one of my goals is. So a lot of the people that do come, that my private clients, real estate agents that want to do be funnier with their clients, my number one is uh, a mortgage guy, number one mortgage guy in Florida. And one of the reasons he's number one is he's now more engaging, more funny. Because do you think about your best friends you ever grew up with, people you want to be in business with for years, With it's very scalable, sustainable, are people who make you laugh or make you feel good. Everybody could do statistics and be, have sales process and, you know, here they're going to do the clothes here and all that. But how are you going to feel? How are you going to feel with that person? How are you going to recommend them to somebody? You're going to recommend somebody you have a good time with, right? Somebody you want to hang with.
0: And I like the therapeutic aspect of what you do. Yeah. There's some great uh, stats on your website that say, and I never thought of this, that uh, stress is the opposite of laughter. Yeah. And 80% of all illness is stress-related. That's exactly right. And 80% or 90% of all medications sold to people are for stress-related things.
2: And that usually leads to more, it usually leads to even more difficulties that's the that's the unusual thing about not nu-
1: to numb it rather than you're just to-
2: numbing it you're masking it you're masking something that's at the root. At the very root is where you want to get to, and that's what laughter does. That's oxygenate your body, healing endorphins, your, your circulatory systems, it your brain, your synapses, everything with laughter. Well, do you go so on the road the, and
0: speak to large groups or small groups, or how, how do you how do you well, impart this information? They're small.
2: I like it yeah. to be larger. Yeah. but you know what's against me is corporations. Corporations aren't interested in hearing you have something. You have free access to laughter. <laughs> I do a guided laffitation. And chuckle chatter it's free I mean you just access just like you your body doesn't know the difference if you're on a if you're on a hill or a incline or one of those stairmaster things it's, it doesn't know the difference it, it's getting the benefits so if you laugh a fake laugh your body's going wow this is healing man I'm engaging I'm engaging my own pharmacy here
1: now do you, you think my, that this was instinctive for you blessedly because you you mentioned that your dad left when you were a baby. you had sisters so you were you were the man of the house whether whether you get that or not on an instinctive level it seems like you knew that making everybody laugh would yeah. would help you
2: through your childhood yeah. it, 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 it borders on the, the health program I'm on is stop the rescuing and I still do it. I st- I've been rescuing from day one. I used to write letters to people to fix them up with my mother. You know, um, you'll love the one was Paul Lind. He was a center square. And on, that didn't
1: work out. Huh? No, no, I
2: couldn't imagine why he didn't write me back. I put her photo in there. Uh, I said, Mr. Lind, I literally wrote him two letters, sent it to television city in Hollywood, whatever. You know, you should meet my mother. You'll unconfirm as a bachelor. I read in Parade magazine that you're, you're a confirmed bachelor. And here's her <laughs> photo and her belly dancing outfit. You might want to check her out. She's also an AKA Scheherazade. And I said, and I'd say, how do you get in those squares? Does Tony Fields really have a wooden leg? I was like asking all these questions. You... Maybe you can adopt me and I could, you know, you could be my stepdad. And I thought we I thought we were gonna be, I'm not exaggerating, oh, yeah. the first father and son team on the Hollywood Squares. I was picturing it. I had a visual, like the law of attraction. I'd like Craig and Paul <laughs> Lynn for the win, please. And he'd be up there in the booth with me. Take it, son. It's a sports question. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I imagined to happen. Guess what? This is how the universe works. I'm telling you. It's amazing the things that have happened to me. I ended up on Hollywood Square 75 episodes. Wow. That manifested for him. Now, he passed away. I couldn't help that. I wasn't there for his you know, <laughs> recovery for what he had but be on the commercials would let me go to the center square and sit with her and she Aww. would be Paul Lynde. hi Craig Aww. my stepson <laughs> so, uh, wow and so dreams dreams come true for this little boy now she never married Paul Lynde. Mm-hmm. I would have liked that mm-hmm. and then the other one was I, I wrote to this I used to look at baseball cards I could care less what they hit all I care was marital status. I would look at the baseball card, and I actually have a ruler. To this uh-huh. day, I should show it to you. I erased the Phillies that were married. I could still tell you that Larry Boa was married to Shayna Boa. This is back in the seventies. I can remember no, all scouting dad. Yeah, scout, you're scouting dad. I was dads. a scout for dad. That's yeah.
0: exactly what you're. And doing.
2: husbands, more than that. I want a husband for her. She was not happy. My dad, I thought his name was doesn't pay the child support. I thought that was his name, literally. <laughs> By the way, we buried him a few weeks ago. And my mom came Ooh. to the funeral, and she never had a good word to say about him. My mom's out of her mind. She's so funny, out of her mind funny. She gets up. She goes, she wasn't even going to go. She's He was horrible. He was a that, uh, And she gets up. She goes, <laughs> literally in front of me. She goes, he was a great guy. <laughs> we all look at each other go, what in the hell? <laughs> and then afterwards she goes, I'm Irish. You can't say something bad about the dead. <laughs> <laughs> She gets up. I say, you don't have to go overboard and make up a story about the guy. No, I, he was good now and then, just not a good father or husband or <laughs> Nothing, no good whatsoever. So, uh, so anyway, I uh, I would write letters to players, and I picked this one guy, Tim yeah. McCarver.
1: Okay, he sounds mm-hmm. good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I go, Mom, he's Irish. My mom's willing to be an Irish. I go, he's Irish, and he's a catcher, and I'm a pitcher. He could teach me how to pitch. He could sure, sure. adopt me. <laughs> and he won a World Series with the Cardinals. He's Steve Carlton's catcher. I was, I was so excited. She goes, he doesn't want me to go, yes, he does. And I wrote him. He never wrote me back. But things take time. I can curse on here, right? Oh, hell yeah. I want to write a book called God's a Slow Motherfucker. Because <laughs> <laughs> it does take time. Grand Canyon didn't become beautiful. before It was a little creek at first. Sure. So anyway... It all happened. Joe Buck, I told him that story. It's it's his longtime broadcast partner, Mm -hmm. Tim McCarver. Next time I see Joe Buck, he hands me a ball signed by Tim McCarver, and it says, dear son, time to grow up. Oh! (laughs) Love, Dad. That's wonderful. A.K.A. Tim McCarver. That's wonderful. And he passed away a few months before my dad. Isn't that weird? Before, Before my real dad. Did
0: you show that to your mom?
2: Oh, the ball! Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. That's my prize. I don't even care about autographs and stuff, but that is my prize. One though, it's just time to right. but grow But did up. your
1: mom ever get married?
2: Oh yeah, a few times. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she's she's done she's done her pathway there. Okay. <laughs> okay. She always right. marries my mom. Um, she, my mom's like Catholic and Protestant, and then she gets married on a chuppah by a rabbi. Of, of that, course, that, sure. That, yeah, yeah no. that's how nuts she is. I mean, that's
1: yeah. So
2: we have Seder's, we have Passover, and Easter the same week. Wow, and it's really confusing because you're going which 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 is this? So I I say w- what is today? I can't get it straight. Is the empty chair for Elijah or Uncle Ray today? <laughs> so, so, uh, so, uh yeah, it really confused religiously, which is why I ended up in this really wonderful, beautiful pocket of spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the religion I think is a lot of times for people are afraid of going to hell or they're guilty or their parents or whatever they do. They just do what their parents tell them to do something inside of me said no nah, nah, go go for this all power you know that we all have we've got this beautiful light love levity within us let's let's get that potency and release it and that's kind of what i teach is how do you release that well here's the pathway to do that you know so we, Yeah that's we, what the
0: 12 step thing does they describe god as your higher power
2: or what you ex- uh, what, you, what you understand it, to be. it yeah, to be exactly yeah
0: and that's kind of it broadens it out to Thank everything. Thank
2: God for that, because yeah. I wouldn't have been in there if it was religion, because I was, I'm just too confused religiously. You know, so 12 Steps
1: like made more sense to you than any organized religion that, that you've experienced? Well,
2: you know, and I'm not supposed to talk about it, and I'm not going to from this point forward, but, but I will say one more thing <clears throat> about the 12 Steps. It's the most brilliantly, perfectly written thing. You cannot find a loophole, and I tried because I did not want to be told what to do. Well, they don't tell you what to do. I don't want to be paying money. Well, you don't pay any money. I don't want people leading me. Well, there are no leaders. I don't want these personalities in my way. No, it's principles for personalities. Every single thing is written so perfectly that the whole world would benefit if they did this. Honest to God, if the whole world did that, then you would be accountable. You would make amends. You would... even all my conflicts once i apologize you know it kind of levels the playing field we we're talking about this beforehand What i'm going to do with my children that I came up with the other day is i'm going to apologize to them i'm going to get all four of them on a zoom and say i'm really sorry for trying to dictate what i thought would make you happy hmm. just 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 accept that so because that's how they, they see it. Oh, here comes the control freak. Tell me who to root for as a team. Tell me what to do. Tell me what games I should play or not play or, and all that kind of stuff. Just because I didn't have a dad and I'm trying to make up you know, for that. So I'm trying to be present for them and act Well, active. that's so a very like, normal a,
0: thing to do. I do it too. Yeah, you call yeah. it reparenting. Yeah. You, get every, yeah. you want your kids to have everything you didn't have.
2: That's exactly right, which made parenting easy in a way. Yeah. But also in a way, it's also causing resentment in them. Mm-hmm. But other people are this way too. I find that anytime I try to rescue... I fixed up nine marriages,
1: mm-hmm.
2: nine marriages, and I don't think I stayed in touch with any of them.
1: <laughs> After you fixed them up? I don't up?
2: even think I went to their weddings, a lot of them. I mean, <laughs> it's the craziest thing. I fixed the people up with jobs. This one woman, I got her. she's the head of an agency, I found out on Facebook. Never said thank you or anything. Another woman, I got her in an art gallery months ago. Not a word, I've seen it on Facebook. Do you think it, that's I think because people... people... I, it's a really interesting concept, though, well, you... of why they can't... But I have a theory. Yeah, I do, too. I so think with something
1: it. that important, people want ownership of exactly. their own trajectory. Exactly right.
2: Exactly right. Yeah. I agree. And it's, it's an ego thing, too. It's like, I would have had this anyway. I would, I would have had this if it wasn't for Craig. And yes, sure, he made an introduction. I would have met them anyway, or whatever the reasoning is. It's the ego that gets in the way, which I also talk about when I teach. That ego is so strong, you can't even have the humility, another thing I teach, to say, hey, thank you very much for that opportunity. But here's my fault is I set them up, too, and they feel it because I want to be thanked. I want to be the guy that's like the hero that did this for them. So there's my thing that I have mm-hmm. to keep dealing with and keep owning that is, oh, man, you rescued again. I have a theory that if I go on a date, I'm going to bring my best friends with me to stop me from the harmful patterns. Right? They sit on the restaurant. They're over here in the restaurant. That's a I'm show. On, I'm that's on my first date. They have a remote, and I have a shock collar. <laughs> <laughs> I should know. My ex-wife, she's sorry. Right with rescue. She, oh, my, my ex-boyfriend, he cheated on me. He left, left me with nothing but a futon and a salad I'm sitting there eating up, going, really? I have a nice big <laughs> <He's moving on. laughs> It'll be, it'll be different this time. <laughs> but and I am sick. dating again. I am dating again. I'm single again.
1: All right. So how do you, how are you going about it?
2: Not well. <laughs> <laughs> These dating apps are unbelievable. I just thought to myself, because I'm really in the connection, if you couldn't tell, mm-hmm. right? I'm looking at you in the eyes. I'm taking you in. You take my energy in. It's vibration. It's frequency. How do you get that from an app? On The, the words that they chose to put in their profile or the photos that they chose— Think about if society was based on this years ago, what if Mrs. Edison said, this Mr. Edison, Ugh, I don't like his beard. <sniffs> Swipe left. We don't have a light bulb.
1: <laughs> we don't have a light bulb. <laughs> I
2: mean, it, it, it's, when you think about it, there's no intimacy now. There's no connection. We need to have that connection. And this is also what I encourage people to do is have yourself connected with your insides, without the echo chambers, without the people that you go follow. and just repeat their words and their statistics to keep you in fear and anger and rage about someone else.
1: But do you, like, that's true, because that's that's a a method of false engagement to engage us via that instinct, which is not a healthy instinct. Not a healthy instinct. So what do you, how do you parent your kids? Because I know that when it comes to teenagers, they would much rather do something scary (laughs) over their phone, like tell someone that they like that person. When they're and they're not getting any of that that feedback that comes from the vibrations and the energy. That's right.
2: Yeah. So well, how do you? How can you grow like that? I mean, really. I mean, I don't want to sound like the old fart, but how how can you grow like that? I always think to myself, what if if the device isn't there, if somehow something happened to the internet, or something happened with uh, 5G or whatever it is, and it disappears, and where are you? You're lost in the woods with no compass, and they don't even know what a compass is. <laughs> I, have, I, I talk about, I don't even, I'm guilty, I don't even know anyone's phone number anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, Someone, we can, we- I filled out a form, it said emergency number, I wrote 911. <laughs> we,
1: we can ask Garrett this question, because he is a certified teenager, but they the weird thing is, and your kids probably do this too, they say, I've been talking to this girl when they have not been talking
2: not talking yeah. they've
1: been but they use they use real life words when they're talking about online transact you know uh transactions or and
2: even when i'm trying to ask someone on a date they'll say no i'm not i i need to know you more well that's the way to get to know me is go on the date that's mm-hmm. how you connect and those i one just now, I could show you on a dating app. She goes, "No, I'm not going to do it like that." I said, "Well, let's get off this thing. Let's do a phone call." No, I have to get to know you first. You know, be a gentleman and some version of what a gentleman is. I said, to me, "That is a gentleman. I'll go. I'll open the door for you." Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna- but
1: why why wouldn't she be willing to talk to you on the phone?
2: They, oh, they, have lines. They, have, they, have, they have lines like, "Well there's that and there's you know I want to protect myself too, but there's also uh, this is not a job interview there they have these standard answers now for these things, and I'm just saying just let's connect and see what we have in the world in the world of chemistry there can be no chemistry in the digital world it's impossible it's digital
1: I mean it's a way to eliminate smokers or whatever I mean okay I, that's,
2: a, that's a good one that's a great one. Yeah, that, that's off for me. That will not happen. I will not date a smoker again, right? So you're right. You can do a process of elimination, but you can't eliminate conversation. You can have those. Those are like... And communication is
0: nonverbal. You need to be with somebody right. and yeah. you need to feel the vibe. And, uh, and it, it's and, not
2: honest. And collaboration is mm-hmm. co. It's two. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to collaborate mm. and you know, to be creative even, if you're having a creative discussion. Like my last two women I went on, I went on a date with, And when i talked on the phone they actually were really mature fun funny and we just had these really engaging conversations so that went well but you never know where it's going to go i mean and i just had a big surprise i've been i when i was single the last time i was single i was on aol you know a chat room (laughs) there there was no there was no dating all right, be honest. I'm still on AOL, but anyway, <laughs> but there was there was no dating apps, you know, like they, there was no swiping. It was just generally you met someone wherever you met them, and so I went all those years a bliss a blissful marriage because we actually met in a spiritual center, so we knew we were centered in that. And once she left that, mm-hmm. then deified a cult leader, so now she's in a cult.
3: Oh boy!
2: And the whole thing just blew up. And I am so powerless over what to do about that. However, I do know this, that any time I try to convince her out of the cult, she's going to go deeper into the cult. So if I'm to be – it's like they say in attraction rather than promotion. If I'm to be attractive to get her out of there to even have a discussion about it, it's not going to come from me. I've never, I've never written one of my long texts or emails and pressed enter and it comes back thank you craig i never thought of it that way <laughs> I mean, God, thank you for sharing your, your gained wisdom with me craig
1: but well what, what I'm I'm i want one i have one suggestion yeah. your son should write to ellen DeGeneres and say you I, my my dad my dad needs needs someone and you and then he's going to imagine you know his life on a talk show with her because it would be great they'd be funny together <laughs> Okay. The other question well, well, let is, me,
0: let me just f- finish up on this topic. Uh, yeah. How are your kids about the cult situation?
2: The two young ones that I, that live with me half the time are, they're, they've really accepted it. Like they're probably even better at it than I am.
0: Do they communicate with her?
2: Well, they're fifty percent with her. And, oh, okay. And they're not. They're not seeing her go to cult meetings. She does everything in secrecy and privacy. And you know, even they don't understand how she steals money or she. You know, they're they're not aware of that, but they are aware that mommy left this family for no reason. They watched her go on Zoom calls with this cult leader hundreds of hours. She just listens to this woman pontificate about business and they're in different business. The kids see it. They get it, but they love their mom and they Mm -hmm. should. And, you know, I'm stuck in a tough position because I'm afraid, you know, where that could go whenever you're... Whenever you deify anyone, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm afraid about with, you know, like Trump people. With politicians, Any politician. I I don't even want to be specific about him. As a matter of fact, I think the biggest mistake we do make is I think it feeds the beast if you keep – I think that that the media got him elected the first time. So Mm -hmm. if you don't want him elected, just don't cover it. Stop stop, stop attacking him. Stop going, oh, here he's a prisoner. Oh, here's another picture of him. All you're doing is you're his promotion machine. Mm-hmm. So that that's what you resist persists. But if you embrace it and say, okay, this is another perspective. I'm going to actually listen somewhat. But this woman, my this woman did this to. She does it to wives. She she takes vulnerable wives who their identities are. They have a powerful husband. I'm a little powerful. You know what I mean? I'm the breadwinner, as they say. You know, I don't like that term, but that's for lack of another word. And so I'm I look like the culprit. I look like the bad guy for all generations. I was the guy that enslaved people. I'm the guy, right? White, a big white guy. I'm the guy that did those things. That was you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one to said, get my slippers, bitch. You bastard. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> all
1: right, so- <laughs> I, oh, was I was about... the
2: one. So, uh, so I get to be that. So she gets to now escape from, uh, she called mm. it a golden cage, and, victim, and get her sovereign it's freedom. Exactly. Exactly. So it's called sovereign freedom, and she convinces these women. There's other women and left their husbands. Because they get out of their golden cage, she calls it. I'd like to be in a golden cage just for a day. Just for a day. Somebody line my cage. Right now, I have the a same cage for a rescue dog that I'm lining.
0: When I got divorced. And when you have young kids, your circle of friendships is created around other families mm-hmm. with young kids. I mean, it's school and oh, sports oh, yeah, and all that. That's those
2: affected because they have to take so sides. So when
0: I got divorced. We were, and I, I, I preface this by saying we're better friends now than we were when we were married. So mm-hmm. I'm not talking out of school yeah. here. But when we got divorced, she had this finely honed victimhood, and I was in show business. So it's obvious why they got divorced because he's probably got an 18 year old girlfriend that he's banging between oh, yeah. news shows. Oh yeah. When the truth is, that was so wrong. I I was never unfaithful Fritz, to my.
2: Fritz. He, did anyone ever say to you when you got divorced, "What'd you do"? Yes, they say those. They literally go, "What'd you do?" Yeah, that's the assumption. What'd you do? And truthfully, we (laughs)
0: were both miserable in the relationship. I was the only one that had the guts to leave. Yeah, and uh, but but all uh, my friends, all of the friends we had created over this marriage ghosted me because they immediately assumed that it That's was my exactly fault right yeah. and then when they realized because i was going over to their house and helping my kids with their homework like five nights a week the only thing i wasn't doing was sleeping there so when everybody learned that i wasn't leaving and i wasn't the bad guy and i wasn't cheating and it took years five to ten years for me to work my way back into this circle of friends because yeah. they totally misinterpreted the reality of the relationship but that victimhood thing is something you well, can't yeah, fight
2: and then absolutely and if the word abuse is ever brought up You know, I mean, she's been violent and abusive and everything, but you think I'm going to be, who do you think they're going to believe on that one? Right? That's very interesting. Yeah. Oh no. I was arrested. I was arrested. (gasps) Oh yeah. Wow. She went off into the dark. I went, something's bad here. The police came and they put the cuffs on me and they arrested me. I had COVID. I spent the night in jail and all they kept saying is you can thank OJ. I said, please look at the scratches on me, please look at the bruises she had beaten me and then ran off and said that i did it right and i i'm a big guy if i was to do that use your common sense she'd be you know, she'd be hurt because i'm a big guy but the men because of you know all of the history again it's history and i've always been so compassionate about women big time i was raised a feminist and all that so i understand that side of it but there's this pendulum that swung so much that the me too tag gets associated right away i believe her goes the how much has that happened, right? And it's really difficult for a man. Even to me saying this now, oh, he's a victim. No, I'm not. I'm trying to say make people aware of these things. I, you know, I was kidnapped by a serial pedophile. I make people aware of that too. On the, you know, how to look for the signs and not be in denial and have courage to address these things. That's what my freedom. That's happened for me is I get to say that now.
1: Are you? Know? you did you just say you were kidnapped by a serial pedophile?
2: Yeah, when I was 13. Yeah. Can
1: you talk about that?
2: Yeah, I talk about it because I'm free. The guy is not; he does not have the keys to my prison. What happened? You know, I. It was a guy that um, you know he befriended me after an Eagles game. I was really into sports. I wanted to you know have a dad. I wanted to have a dad so bad. And this guy came up. He became my dad, like a dad figure, and he convinced me that he was like, and he was. He was somehow he got back back in the locker room. I met these famous players. I'm a little kid. I'm meeting Roman Gabriel. He's a quarterback and. Harold Carmichael engulfed my hand. It was like unbelievable memories. And then he took me away to a uh, Washington, D.C., and I was approved to go away because who would ever think this? And I thought I was going to go to this. Yeah, I bragged to my friends, oh, they're going to have the white gloves that our limo, and you know, it was a, literally a ghetto hotel. It just it was a, a guy behind bars with a skeleton key that he would hand him. and. It was, just, it was just everything just switched on a dime for this little boy that was so dreaming of not only a dad and a father figure of going to the game that weekend and Philadelphia Eagles were playing the Redskins. And it was this all this was proposed to me as this gigantic dream come true. And it turned mm-hmm. into the biggest nightmare I could ever imagine. I was there for five days. I couldn't get out. Oh. And uh, it turns out that's what he is. That's what he was. And that's another example of people... When I speak to people, I say, get to your truth and tell the truth. Because if you hide the truth, then you turn end up suicidal and drug addicted. And I held on to that secret for a long time. And you're only as sick as your secrets. That became a sickness in me. I could not drink that away. I could not mm-hmm. do enough drugs to make that go away. Did your mom know about that? My mom knew about it right away. And that was one of the things, issues I had with my mom. She wouldn't do anything about it. Oh. She didn't do anything. She was angry that he called her at 3 in the morning. I'll never forget that she goes... He called me. He woke me up. I was there. He also took your son away, you know, but she, you know, it was all about her. But I'm very here with my mom. My mom just called me a few minutes ago. I love my mom so much. And she ended up apologizing for it. She basically said to me, I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to and do. She and wanted I, you to have
0: a fatherly experience and didn't understand that he was a pedophile.
2: Oh, my God. Of yeah. course. She was so happy. This guy's out of my hair. He stops blaming me because I was blaming him. <laughs> Look at this. And I was, and I, and I. I tried suicide. I mean, after that, I, I took these neckties, and I tied them around this, uh, this closet, and I tied them on the knob, and I had them. I was, had my little noose that I made from Boy Scouts. I learned, <laughs> learned that. And I hung there for a little bit until my mom walked in. Holy and this cow. is typical of my mom. She goes, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Those are new neckties. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Get up. And I, and I got up. I was on my knees. I could get up anytime I wanted, but it was like a combination. of like oh. a, I, wanted, I wanted to die so that other people would regret treating me like this. I wanted to die where I could be behind a tree at the funeral and go, hey, I'm over here. It's Tom Sawyer, yeah. Is that right?
0: Yeah, he went to his own funeral, or Huckaberry Fanny oh, went to his own funeral wow. and stood up in the I'm attic like, and Tom listened Boy. to everybody You See, I'm not original. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's, say, no, it's
1: so, a, the, reason it's, the reason that Mark Twain wrote that is because everyone imagines that.
2: Oh yeah. 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 Like what, what are they going to say then? You Mm -hmm. know, then they're going to regret treating me like that. So who's your
0: classic client? Can you describe a typical client?
2: uh, Somebody that thinks that they are boring. Somebody that thinks that they don't have creativity. Someone that believes, you know, that they need an extra spark in their lives. They want more happiness. They want more joy. They want to feel more fulfilled because they found out that no matter how much they sell, it's not going to lead to that internal happiness. So I teach them how to alchemize, how to use alchemy with, with laughter and how to turn that into everything in life, you know, and just tr- switch everything around. I, I turn everything around. And what are no, some of the no, nothing that stops me. I'm really, really, resilience is my big word. Oh, nothing yeah, ever you know. stops me. No, I hear that. And I've had, and this, this cult thing, by the way, this was a stumper. <laughs> and my dad's a cult leader, to top it all off. Wait, He what? became a cult leader. My dad. What
1: do you mean? So this is
2: like history repeating you itself. Mean, not oh, in a good, my dad had his own cult in the Pocono Mountains. Is he that read.
1: why he left your family?
2: No, no, no. He for, He actually, he left, there's one woman, it's, it's pretty funny, but I knew her. His, this woman was like his his front person, we would tell my mom the child support check's coming and never was. She was dedicated to him, Ann Gallagher, and um, not Real, like, anyway, she was. I couldn't even imagine them together. He would always surround himself with lots of women. And he eventually had what he called his harem. There were 14 different women, oh mother, goodness. daughter, and he ran mule rides, these giant mules in the Pocono Mountains. I actually was involved in business with him a little bit. I would go up on weekends and help him with my friends build the farm. And I watched how cult leaders operate. What he would do is he'd rank us. Every day he would rank us. Like, he'd go, Rob's number one. This is my friend, me and my friend. So friends, he's pitting you against, he you against each other. He pits you against each other. And he did it with the women, too. Mother, daughter. You know, this one, and I, they would wrap up their sleeping bag and they'd get to sleep with him in his room called the King of the Poconos. he called oh, himself, wow. he goes, get over there, comedy crap, be part of my empire. I go, i will going to be Prince of the Poconos. I can't wait for that. So we would go for these uh, mule rides and things like that. And I, I watched how it operated. And this is how society operates, too. It's this peer pressure. And it's this FOMO. And it's this, it's, it's people, they empower someone, they deify someone to dictate how they feel about themselves. It's an mm-hmm. interesting
0: recurring so, theme in your life. Your father was a cult leader, your wife left, yeah. so there's only one thing left, you have to start a cult.
1: That's
2: what they're saying. <laughs> I thought existing. about yeah, it, yeah, i okay. codependent. Okay. I'd be going, how Man. are you feeling about this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I...
1: <laughs> I wanna start a cult called Jews for Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the title, I don't know what we'd do.
2: Well, you would love Elvis. Okay. Great, by the way, great movie. That performance of yeah. Austin Butler. Oh, uh, it was a tour de force that I have not, I mean, that was Without unbelievable proof. watching that kid be, be Elvis. Yeah. You know, some people were born, born. born to do something. He was, he was born to do that. I was born to be around cults, I guess, and not I <laughs> I guess, I guess what, and mule rides. One time I was in the Poconos, and they think I'm this Hollywood guy, and the guy's giving me this, it's this blue collar honeymoon capital. Of the Northeast, they have like heart-shaped pools in the rooms, and the guys give me a tour. I'll never forget this. He goes over here. He's got this shemokin coal mining accent. Over here, you got your quoits, and you got your racquetball. Craig, you ever play quoits? You know what quoits are? Quoits are big in Pennsylvania. Here. Oh yeah, over there we got the over there i got basketball. You like basketball there, Craig? He goes, oh my gosh, look at this here. Oh, well, there's AJ Shoemaker in his harem. What's that nut doing here? And I got to go. That's my dad. And the guy goes, oh, didn't figure that one, the Shoemaker. I guess that's the same name. My dad walks up. And he stole my cheese tray, my complimentary cheese tray for the what? big star from Hollywood. Hey, the girls at the ranch will love this. Judy loves Gouda. Uh. <laughs> he <They> take, <they laughs> takes it back, took it back and to, took it to the girls at the ranch. But this is the way uh, some people are. need that. They yeah, but need don't you feel
1: it. like Elvis was in a cult of one? He was in a, the Colonel Tom Parker cult where yeah. he he saw himself through the lens of uh, this guy it, he, he never really. Yeah, saw the himself. Memphis
0: Mafia might have been a cult. They were all living in the say, same house.
2: I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. So
1: he never they felt. Were followers.
2: He,
0: yeah.
1: He never felt any personal agency <clears throat> that we think he should have felt based on his talent. But he, you know, he had he had just so much that he was responsible for, and he hadn't been raised to be that that powerful. So he surrounded himself with people that he thought would help so, him with that. On the, the,
0: your website, you you make another comment that I found really interesting, and that is that. Um, Uh, After a tragedy, um, laughter and humor can be your great salvation. And I look at your life. You've had some really tragic slaps in your life. And humor
2: was your defense mechanism. Absolutely. It literally got me out of being beaten up. I mean, I was beaten as a kid, too. Oh, my God. Eighth grade was the worst. We moved again. We used to move. I thought the word evict meant move. Like, here's the eviction truck, mommy. And then we move again. (laughs) And it was just like this real source of uh, angst and worry and depression so we moved to eighth grade and I went out for the football team that's the way you get that's the way you bond is sports you got to bond with sports now I was very tiny I was five foot one 92 pounds in high school but at this time I was 70 pounds not not even and I went out for was called the 115 pound football team in eighth grade you had 115 was the max but still that's big you know when you're only 70 so I was the center so I could always touch the ball and no one else wanted to be the center. That was my logical thinking. And now I'm gonna be in the group, I'm in the gang. It's an undefeated team. They beat the hell out of me, even in the huddle. he would go, good snap, bam, smash me, make my blood bloody nose. Then they beat me in the locker room, my, they tore my underwear to the point where I was embarrassed, couldn't even tell my mom I needed new underwear, because they would just tear it apart like a coyote wilding. Whoa. But I had no one to go to. There was never that protection. And that's the feeling that stayed with me until today. I mean, there's no one there to protect me. And that's what I do with the kids, though. That's how I raise them. I go, there is no shot that they would ever feel like that. There's Mm -hmm. no shot that they would ever feel betrayed or let down or something like that. So even if they don't like me, my kids, they don't speak to me, that's one thing at the bottom line is they are going to know that. That I love them unconditionally. That there's How no way How old are your to... kids? 25, 19, 14, just turned nine years old. The 14-year-old okay, 9, is probably 14, about 73, though. He's a very old soul.
1: 73.
0: But but the, the, but those are that's within the window of a tough time for yeah. a marriage to break up. So you're not going to be the hero in that until this is all over, and the dust is behind
2: you. I am the I am the hero for the young ones. Oh, that's good. oh they know I'm, no, so I'm glad stable. To hear that. Oh no, good. I thank God I'm stable. I just got them a dog. This was the greatest day of their life. We rescued a dog. And they watch their mother say, I'm not going to touch the dog. You know what I mean? Like the, the, and that, that cult do really do a number on you. It's, it's really a shame. The, my biggest disappointment in life, if I were to sum it up, is people's lack of courage. Um, one of the best things I ever did was I did an alcohol intervention once. And my friend, her sister, we went there in the afternoon. And she was sitting there with beer cans and everything. I got on that bed. and It was one of the most courageous days of my life. Well, everyone went like back like this. They were frightened. What do you think she's going to do to you? And I got on the bed and said, "We love you. Look at what you're doing to yourself." And she, I remember she actually said to me, "Geez, you gained weight, shoemaker." And I and I actually took that to heart. <laughs> Here's this drunk. In Don't the middle turn of the trail, this, this, this around this on drunk, me. This drunk, This drunk, this, drunk, this drunk's telling me that <laughs> yeah. I gained weight, and I actually did look. But in the I can mirror still right walk right. out of here well, under bed, my own power. Dab, Get off the bed. And she's there dabbing blood from her. Literally, she dabbing blood from her elbow, and she says, "Oh, it's because of the bed." I go, "No, it's not because of the bed." and then she ended up in rehab. But that was one of the greatest moments of my life, and I wish more people would do that, is have courage to confront someone who is causing harm. Have the courage, don't hide behind digital. Go up to somebody and say, you know what, this really hurts people, and you might want to examine yourself. That's the one disappointment I have. Like, I have nobody of my ex-wife's friends that would believe me or help me help her that's really upsetting to me Where, but what
1: happened to her friendships then when no, she, she went- has
2: she has the friendships because now they can all say oh it's the, he's the bad guy she escaped yeah, that's
1: from. what that, that that that's that magical
2: victimhood is tough oh, it's tough to fight that but is. she, but yeah. isn't
1: she when you're in a cult aren't you excluding everyone you used to know
2: oh no 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 okay. no, no she and she won't claim that because she said she admits to the first cult this woman brought her into the first cult they got me for 80 grand this one. That's probably, what I was going to say. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in different ways. Oh, here, invest in this business and these multi-level marketing. Oh, and I have to go to Australia and learn a dance. Oh, it's just all this <laughs> ego stuff. I, mean, I wish I was kidding. So for the freedompreneurs, I mean, I wish I, I could write. Well, I am writing a book about it. So is it oh, sort of mean, like, should, Is it man. wait, yeah.
1: so Craig, is it like on the Mary-Kate Mary-Kate, what's the name of the, where they have pink cars? Mary-Kate Cosmetics. Is it on that that's spectrum?
2: That's a I thought he was just talking about the Olsen twins. No, 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 not the Olsen twins. <laughs> Mary-Kate and Ashley no, they're, right.
1: But is it on that spectrum where it's some sort of pyramid scheme of like... Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Uh, so no, it can a, seem like a business if you're not... It is. It until is, they it start is, running each other's lives. It is a business. Okay. But this
2: woman who's at the top of it, this woman who who literally has... has these listening parties she calls them she just pontificates and just recites from her ego and the first one did it and then everybody left her she got us for for 500 grand and now this one's doing it but it's all under the guise of i had someone term this and again i have the courage to warn people it's it's a wellness grift it's people that claim Ooh. Isn't, great, that cool? isn't that cool isn't that a cool term my friend mm-hmm. who has a big yoga studio here she said that, I can't take credit for that. I went, like, wow, did that connect? Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is. They draw in people who are vulnerable, middle-aged, menopause. By the you know what menopause means? Put men on pause, that's what that <laughs> means. Right?
0: So. But you know, we're in a time in this in this planet and, and specifically in our country where people are just floundering. They're trying to find something yeah. so it's, it's easy yeah, for exactly. these wellness grifts yeah. to work.
1: Exactly. And there's so, some documentaries that give me some insight, like the one with the clothing. What's the one with the clothing, Dina Lulu or Oh l- yeah, uh, I saw that. Oh, how about orgasm God.
2: ink? That they're, they're no, part what? of that too. What is that? No, it's a oh, sex it's thing. an orgasm cult. And this woman's actually in that too. She's an offshoot of that. She has her own orgasm thing. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll they take, get together I'll take that and they all teach a, one at another. At home, I'll, 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 I mean, I'll, it's I'm a provocative
1: title for sure.
2: Well, absolutely. So, but it's this—you know—people when they're you know mixed up and confused, they need to be led. They need strong leaders sometimes, and they deify and empower these leaders to dictate how they feel about themselves. So now she does that, and then they're saying, "Oh, he criticizes you because you're you just want to live your dreams. Well, you got to pay for them. You know, I'm, I'm funding it." You know, got no problem with that. You know, I mean it's it somehow it's, it's, feels, it's all hypocritical, it's all ridiculous. It
1: somehow feels easier than a marriage which uh, yep. it, it's an infrastructure but it feels easier than the one that you're involved in which is your husband and your kids and where you have to make a lot of your own choices. Yeah, and all and the energy is going one
0: way save. in a cult. It's all going toward the cult leader, the that's, money, that's the right. energy, that's the exactly love, right. the adoration that, is
2: all going right, exactly right. right. So it
1: allows yeah. you to feel a part of something without as much personal responsibility. That's
2: exactly right. And then and they they claim to teach personal responsibility when it's not it's it's really not it's just adulation for this leader and you have to listen to her and she play. and it's funny because the cult leader's boyfriend is attacking me now he on my uh he texted me and he's threatening me and things like that because i'm I'm like just trying to tell the truth here he doesn't want to hear the truth so i actually had videos my kids made videos and told the guy to F off. <laughs> Good. Well, our, is, Basically. Is not, family in court
1: involved? Way. And how, how does family court look at this family type court of dynamic?
2: Nah, they, they don't, there has to be blood. I've been through this before. There has to be literally blood. And this is the other problem with people with no courage. is like her friends should say something to her. Her friends, they recognize it. I used to get private emails and say what happened to her because they see her Facebook posts and it's just wacky. But people, are, this is what I don't like about people. They're just afraid to confront, they're so afraid of conflict that they don't live in truth. Mm. And this is the thing is we have a, now what what happens is a pile of lies and a pile of lies and a pile of lies and the truth truly will set you free. And I've had great experiences with her, by the way, where in my own process, I went to Maui with my kids, right? The the nine-year-old and the 14-year-old. And they were supposed to be with me as holiday break. She happened to be in Maui, my ex-wife. On the way over, this higher source spoke to me and said, write her a note. 22 pages came out of me. It was full mea culpa, full, not a zero zinger of I did this because. There was no because. Because she always says it because. I always say it's like The Wizard of Oz. Because, 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 <laughs> because, because of the awful things he does. So I didn't have one because. Everything was apology. Absolute full remorse. Only my side of the street. Nothing about what she had done. Nothing about theft. Nothing about stealing lies. Anything. Nothing about her. All about what I did to create this. And I said, there'll be a note waiting for you at my hotel. If you're into it, we'll be at the pool. If not, just go on your vacation with your sister, which she already was. She said she was a, a page in, she started crying, and she texted me, and she said, I'm crying already. And it manifested into a beautiful vacation, which we all took together. We oh. ended up, all of us together. Wow. There was no cult leader. That's awesome. There was, no, it was just freedom. Family. To- and I, and I allowed that to happen. And she started to apologize to I said, you don't have to right now. Just accept this. Mm-hmm. Just accept this. This is me saying mea culpa, my side of the street. But again, uh, this isn't a bragging thing. This is literally a suggestion for people. It's, I got out of my ego. Mm-hmm. And it really gave the kids something that they deserved. They mm-hmm. deserved somebody. One of the parents to have courage to stop fighting. Right. And they had the time of their lives. They were lit up and then and that, unfortunately that's all kids want
0: they want their family of they course want the then, harmony.
2: it all went back downhill it didn't sustain you know once we got back to the mainland ironically you know and then the cult leader starts to get in her head and and all that kind of stuff but uh, it's deifying people that we just i just think that we need to stop we need to really take a break and listen to ourselves listen there's something inside of us this potency that wants to be released mm-hmm. but it doesn't want to be tamped down and oh here's the biggest thing i teach you're asking me what i teach yeah We're all born love, light, and levity. We're born like that. And then we have to comply. Then we gotta get in line. My book is get out of line into alignment. Get in your own alignment. Your alignment is love, light, and levity until they say, no, stop that. They shame you for laughing. What are you laughing at? They say in Philadelphia, (laughs) what are you laughing at, right? Stop that, Don't, don't be silly. Wipe that smile off your face. These are the voices that we hear. And then here you get a grade because you know that Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. I know the Nina Pitt and the Santa Maria. I know all that stuff. Good job, Craig. Here's an A. What good does that do me today? Is there any subtext to what Columbus did, by the way? Is there any real history to that? That's
0: kind of evaporating right now.
2: No, it's all memorization. And that's we memorize what they want us to memorize. And then you get rewarded for it. But why are we not rewarded for being who we truly are? In fourth grade, I was finally who I truly am. I started telling a story, I'll never forget this. This was really my biggest moment of my life. I told a story, I was in new school again, beaten, I was poor, we were poor. I was caught with a thimble sewing my pants by a rich kid in the bathroom and he came back and shamed me. It was really a bad year, I was beaten and wedgies and swirlies and thrown in the toilet. And this one day I started telling a story about actually my mom beating me. And I went, like, oh my God, these people are like paying attention. They start laughing. Man, this guy who hates me is giving me attention. And then I embellished the story. I said, Yeah, and she beat me so bad. I had candy flying. I was a pinata. <laughs> ah! and they, were, they were laughing. I go, Man, this is unbelievable. I felt such power. It was like a voice inside of me. was going, this is, this is a theory. This is amazing. I know that word back then. <laughs> and the next day, she took me and she locked me in a closet for a whole day with my hands bound behind my back with blue yarn.
0: Your
3: mom? or No, the teacher, the teacher
2: Mrs. Stout she lo- she took my hands and bound me and she said you sit on this box you think about that the entire day i was only allowed to eat with my hands free and that moment i was spoken to because there's nobody that's going to encourage you to do comedy no parent teacher peer nobody says go do comedy or you gotta really screw up and uh the voice said no you keep going and i'm so glad that i did because i was able to to this, share this gift turning tr- turning tragedy into laughter into joy into happiness yeah, i'm it able was to also
0: do th- power over your enemies you got recognized yeah. from people who yeah. were beating you up and you were also assuaging your own bad feelings that's
2: exactly, exactly right the shame yeah. went away really cool it was really beautiful it was a beautiful moment <clears throat> and because i stayed being a comedian i had the strangest story happen there was this a minister, I spoke at this church, and you know, like I said, I'm not really you know, necessarily a Christian, or, uh, but I spoke about laughter, healing to this group of Christian men, and the, guy, the minister comes up and he goes, I always wanted to meet you, and he's a really sweet guy, and he goes up, and he tells a story about 28 years ago, he was studying to be a pastor, and he had a best friend, was his mentor, married three kids. He wanted to be this guy, big Christian, and he had a fiance, she got pregnant. And he took her to his parents' house, and he said, this is my fiance, and she's gonna have our child. And he said, no. You abort that child, or we'll never speak to you again as parents. As we disown you. He says, I can't do that. It's against my religion. Well, then get out of our house. You are not our child anymore. And he mm-hmm. leaves the house and he's, Oh my God, I don't have parents anymore. She takes her ring and puts it on the dashboard and she goes, I can't marry you. This is not your child. It's your best friend's child.
3: Whoa.
2: Now, this guy, we're hearing the story and we're devastated. Imagine being this guy. He's betrayed by his parents, her, and the Christian guy who's teaching Christianity, who's screwing his, his fiance and impregnates her, and all that's going behind it? He's completely distraught and suicidal, understandably. He knows exactly where he's going to do it. He's going to drive off this cliff to the left. It's one of the most extraordinary stories, and it goes back to the fourth grade that I've ever been a part of, and this is why I say that sometimes things are being scripted that we can't ever, ever analyze or ever come up with in our brain. So he tells that story on stage and that day to these Christian men and that night I went to Kenny Loggins, my old buddy. He's doing a song called Peace of Mind. I was really, really feeling divine and feeling this, this beautiful spirit, just feeling love in the air. And it was so beautiful. And here's my friend Kenny saying Peace of Mind. And the guy texted me, that pastor, and he says, the reason I didn't drive off that cliff he says, someone had just handed me a CD of a comedian named Craig Shoemaker.
0: Holy God! What?
3: He
2: says, I laughed till I cried. He goes, you saved my life and i've always wanted to meet you and i'm your friend forever. Oh my god. He's my one of my closest friends today.
1: Oh. What's wow. his name?
2: I walk with him, Rob. Rob. And i walk with him and i debate him on religion. He brings it to the pulpit. I go there sometimes. He talks yeah. about it cuz i have a resistance to certain things like sin and things like that and religion blah blah blah. And that was the moment i went. Oh, that voice was strong. That voice said, "You keep going." So i was able to make this comedy, to make this CD that saved this guy's life. And then a week later, he met his wife, and they're married to this day, and they have five children. And all of that happened because this guy happened to be handed that CD that made him laugh till he went, man, life is worth living. And that's the thing about laughter that people don't understand. It makes life worth living. My best friend Michael Goldberg wrote Cool Runnings, Little Giants. We bonded all the time through laughter. His daughter was born in laughter. She was conceived with him imitating my Love Master character, blah, blah, blah. He was given a year. (laughs) He was given three months to live. And his daughter was a year and a half old, and that's when I started Laughter Heals. He showed up for all of it. He wanted to laugh every day of his life. He put that in his prescription. He lived 15 years past the doctor's prognosis. 15 years because he just added laughter to his life. Talk about your dot org. I want to hear the
0: information where people. That's can... where it
2: was founded. because right. Golds is my muse.
0: LaughterHeals.org.
2: Yeah. yeah, and we're we're all about the healing powers of laughter, raising the awareness of the power of laughter. We're now iPads and things. We're bringing them to hospitals. We need money for that, and you know, also my guided laughter programs and chuckle chatters and bringing my winning with laughter. The programs I train other facilitators, bring them to hospitals, aftercare facilities, wounded warriors, uh, first responders. People are stressed out there, and this is the great relief of it. And look what it did for that guy. You know, it gave him hope.
3: Yeah. That guy
2: had hope to live, and because he went, man, I can laugh like this again. How crazy is that?
3: That's beautiful. And it
2: gave him another chance, and it turned out the whole, his whole life flipped. The, I think it was the following week he met his wife.
1: His well, life completely it's Just flipped. like that, you were able to flip his energy. Not yeah. just that he was laughing yeah. in that yeah. moment yeah. and having that realization, but his energy shifted. Exactly. And that attracted yeah. good things. Exactly. Yeah. You're
2: exactly right. Yeah. And it attracted his now wife to him where he has an understanding within his spirit that this is more important than the misery. This is more important than the resentments. This is more important than the anger, the rage. This is more important to me, but we don't put it at the most. We put resentment and rage and let's get the justified misery loves company. Let's go find some people to collude and enable me. That's what my ex-wife has. She's got all these people going, you escaped from that marriage.
1: I think we think that it's (laughs) more important. That's what they believe. I think we think it's more important to put out a fire, but it's a perceived fire.
2: It's perceived, you're right, exactly right. We so, should hang out more often. Yeah, I'm we, tired we, of agreeing with you. Yeah,
1: let's... let's, <laughs> let's, let's. I've had it. With,
2: I've had some conflict. Well, with here's it. something that can you can may disagree? have a problem
1: with. You, I'm going to insert a little ad here. Okay. Because our friend John Mills of the Mills Brothers Legacy will be performing live in Studio City at 7.30 on Monday, October 9th at the write-off. He's got a new band, and he's got a new... And it's going to be great. And I'm going... just there.
2: I just saw my friend okay, Mary yeah. Lou Henner there. Oh, Mary Lou Henner. The off, a beautiful Loves place. Her.
1: Yeah, so we're going to go the there. The Mills Brothers? The he Mills Brothers. He is the son of Donald Mills of the Mills Brothers. My That's God. his dad there first on the right. First concert I ever saw. That handsome man right there. At
2: the Valley Forge Music Fair.
1: Oh, you I went I to see George Valley Hall- Carlin. And I saw him my, there, too.
0: That was my first uh, exposure to a live stand-up, yeah, and it was a too. transformative moment in my life. Right? It was a religious experience. Un- a
2: religious experience, yeah. exactly. Rich Little, too. I wouldn't call that religious but I did see him there, too. It was a real beautiful place, and I saw the Mills Brothers.
1: The there. Mills Brothers. So we're going to go see John, and here's his ad.
0: It's a new beat in the century-long legacy of the Mills family name,
3: a a a
0: and a collection the of the best the of the best
3: and
2: the musicians.
3: And now it's, a winter.
2: it's John Mills' super band, Orchids in Zoom.
3: Winter. Or- or- in-
1: in- in- I never can For one night only, Monday, October
0: 9th at 7 30, at Studio City's write off room, 11502
2: Ventura Boulevard.
3: Don't you know
2: the legacy continues. Oh, oh, John Mills.
3: You know Orchids
2: night October 9th at 7 30 at the write-off room in Studio City advanced ticket purchases available now at eventsbright.com
1: what else do we need to mention before we close with you Craig
2: well um
0: what about the Bill Bellamy tour you guys still doing oh that? no that's wait oh okay one and
2: done oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. but I love that guy and I would love to tour with him but I'm, I'm really not wanting to do stand-up I do it at a very high level right now like the highest I've ever been Um, it's amazing I do two-hour shows hour and a half shows I mean it really is incredible the experience it's like being a conductor of a wonderful symphony of which everyone is involved I love it but I don't love promoting myself at all I don't love everything else that comes with it I don't like the ego that comes with it I just want to make people laugh and if I could do that like I have this group you know we have I have a group like a course and they took a course and I take them through an eight-week program if I could have more of those, I'd be much happier. Where we go Zoom and other people, they do their fun assignments and they bring their fun assignments and things like that. And to have other people experience joy that they create and to think that I helped inspire that, that to me is better than standing ovations. You know what I mean? Where you think that you can help it's someone. Yeah. yeah, if you can help them change their lives <clears throat> and give them the tools and the the keys and the pathways, like the shift Sherpa.
1: It's like teaching a man to
2: fish. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I could teach anyone how to be funny. No one believes me, I can absolutely teach anyone to be funny and And, find your own funny, by the way, not some telling another joke, a corny joke or whatever it is, but sharing your own experiences, because everyone's funny. It's just that we're told that we're not, and like I said, we're a program, so my program is about reconditioning the way we're conditioned. We're conditioned from get-go, do this, do that, do this. Sit in the corner, you know. Here, I'll give you a reward. I'll give you an award. Here, here's a medal. Here's a, here's a pin. Here's a ribbon. That's what we're taught. Oh, good. What good do those things do? I just threw out a bowling trophy the other day. Who cared? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a baseball. Threw... Who cared? You know, what I mean, I was holding on to this thing. I'm starting to get rid of this thing. I'm, doing, I'm doing this whole purge. You're purging right yeah. now. What do I call it, Gianna? I call it thirty a 30-day cast instead of fast. I'm casting things. Oh, no, I did that when I moved. I threw you out did?
0: everything that I didn't want. I saved things that were meaningful to me. I invited my son to take what he wanted, and I threw – I had a truckload, an 18-wheeler full of stuff that I didn't care about, tapes in my garage from early in my career. Then I, I mean, Here's the way I thought about it. My mom died, and I'm an only child. Yeah. So I had to go to her house and sort this crap out. And I said, what made her think? that anybody gives a shit about all this stuff in her closet yeah, nobody and when i die my pa- my kids are not going to care about a 2 inch videotape of no. me trying to do stand up in buffalo new york they are not think,
2: yeah like they're going to sit around and go we're having a party there to yeah. watch my dad on am <laughs> philadelphia when he was a 24 year old upstart comedian no, let's let's watch him fall, exactly. oh, wow so i just i wish I- he was alive to tell these jokes <laughs> andy rooney coming out of a womb i who, the, who cares? That's exactly right. You know, I you know, would I like, hold on to this. Stuff. I want
1: to differ. I think you should throw away the bowling trophy for sure. But those tapes could have been digitized. Fred. I've digitized everything that Same would here. be of value to humanity. Thing. You can digitize your bowling trophy.
2: It means nothing. It means <laughs> absolutely there's no worth to these things. And you're right. The kids could not care. No, I it just, was just my, a my big... dad. I have his stuff. He, nothing. There's, there's nothing a couple articles that. I thought were interesting. A couple yeah. photos. The rest, I'm going. Even that, I have such a hard time because I grew up poor. I'm going, I don't want to throw this away. Of course I want to throw it yeah. away. It yeah, means and, nothing but it to anyone. even beyond
0: that. It, forget the emotional connection. I looked at it and said, what is this? I, stuff I couldn't <laughs>
2: even identify. Throw it away, man. You know what I kept? I made homemade bongs when I was a kid. I still have a oh, few of those. I thought to myself... What? That the resin in there would probably get somebody like really, really high. It's just the resin that's been there for forty Home some years. Homemade bombs. I made bombs, oh. not bombs. Oh,
1: bombs! No <laughs> wonder you had a result,
2: had a reaction oh. like that. You thought it was made. Thank God we clarified. At dinner tonight, she'd be going, oh, I really liked them a lot, but then he talked about homemade bombs. I thought to myself, is he the of- Unabomber? Is he Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma City? What is wrong with this guy? Bongs? bongs. Sure. Why
1: not? Keep okay. the bongs. Yeah. yeah. For sentimental
2: well, <laughs> sentimental reasons. Maybe my kids can use them. They're a legacy. I will pass on. They're a
1: legacy item. Yeah. All right. Here come our closing credits. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at. At Media Path Pod and on Facebook, where our show page is Media Path Podcast, and our Facebook group is Media Path with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. You can find full video podcast episodes loaded with bonus visual content on our YouTube channel, Media Path Podcast, and you can write to us at Media at gmail.com. If you enjoy this show, Please, subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a nice rating in Apple Podcasts. Do all of the above before you throw out your bowling trophies. It's a priority. And talk about us on social media. Your friends would just love you for it. You can sign up for our spicy little newsletter at mediapathpodcast.com. And we want to thank our wonderful, amusing, and insightful, wise guest, Craig Shoemaker. Our team includes producer Dina Friedman, John Maddox, Bill Filipiak, Thomas Hubble, Mason Brown, Lori DeWall, Garrett Arch, Chris Baldwin, Jordan Reyes, and you. Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. I am Louise Pelanker here with Fritz Coleman and Craig Shoemaker. Be well and wise, and we will see you along the media path. I know. It's Why does it take so many people? That's the longest one we've
3: ever